0: Let's do this, it's the Cult of Hockey podcast, by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Bruce McCurdy of the Urban Journalist Cult of Hockey, and I'm sitting in tonight with our guest uh, podcaster, Ira Cooper, known to many in the oil as Original Posar. Great choice of players to uh, name yourself after, Ira, and welcome to the Cult of Hockey podcast. Thanks for contributing. Oh, thanks,
1: Bruce. Uh, Great to be here. Thanks for asking me on.
0: We've got uh, tonight, David's out coaching. David Staples is out coaching. He's coaching his daughter's U18 team. He's the head coach. So that's going to uh, pinch into his schedule a little bit. The games are a little longer at that level, too. So uh, anyways, uh, uh, Ira has uh, most graciously agreed to uh, help out. And we have an exciting uh, eventful game. To discuss tonight, the Edmonton Oilers uh, defeated, barely, the Anaheim Ducks by the very 1980 score of 6-5. to five, With the uh, Oilers uh, coming out on top on a winning goal scored into the empty net. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of those kind of games, wasn't it,
1: Ira? Uh, so, it really was, but it's actually... Uh, what we talked about a lot in the offseason, wasn't it? Uh, a lot of chaos in the defensive zone, and hopefully they can outscore their mistakes, and
0: and they, they did, barely. Yeah, I managed to do that tonight. The big boys came through with a few points, and uh, uh, it was uh, uh, some some good efforts a little further down the lineup as well, and also some not-so-good efforts down the lineup, and we're going to talk about both of those things. So, as usual, we're going to follow our format of two good things two bad things, two numbers, and also as usual in our traditional style when the orders win, we like to talk more about good things and bad things when they win, so we're going to do two good things each. So we should probably call it four good things, two bad <laughs> things, because the Oilers are going to win all 82 games this year, is my take at this point. I mean, they can't but lose.
1: Small sample sizes <laughs> turn big sample sizes,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, obviously they got they got this winning stuff all figured out now, right? Anyway, so let's uh, let's turn it over to our guest, uh, Ira, for the first good thing. What do you got? Uh, what do you got on tap?
1: I'm gonna go with uh, a bludgeoning fan favorite, uh, Evan uh, Bouchard. Um, for me, mm-hmm. Bouch was uh, the first star of the game. I'm not sure if he was uh, officially the first star. It's kind of tough when you know McDavid has three points and uh, dry has four, but uh, mm-hmm. Evan Bouchard is quickly right in front of our eyes, turning into that player that uh, we thought we were drafting uh 10th overall a few years ago um, that, that many think actually probably could have done what he's doing now uh, uh, last year. Um, but that's probably a, a conversation for another night. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, you know, people always, well, should, I shouldn't say people always for a while, one of the biggest criticisms of Bouchard is was firstly his skating, but generally his you know, defensive acumen. And for me, and watching him play, and I watch a lot of him in Bakersfield, he's just such a smart hockey player. And he's and he's a big guy and with lots of length. And you put that size with that brain that you just figure that, you know, he's gonna figure out how to play in a defensive zone. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna make might make a mistake, but he'll only make it once. Um, and uh, he'll figure out defensive positioning and angles and all that type of stuff. And it's happening, and it's happening quick. He's been playing on the first PK all, all year long, and he did it again tonight. And tonight, as we saw through the game, uh, he started to gain the trust of his coach even more as after or actually at the very end of the second period, um, not to bash Tyson very like we often uh, doing. But uh, this year, he's deserved it, and especially tonight. That was a, a woeful game from Tyson, and uh, Tippett made the the change late in the second, and I think Bouchard went up with Nurse and, and uh, never looked back. And uh, that wasn't just because of, of Barry's play, but but Evan himself was... Uh, uh, deserving of it. Um, just to go through a stat line quickly, he, he actually only, only ended up fourth amongst the in uh, sorry third in total ice time, just over 19 minutes. Uh, fourth at even at five on five with uh, 14 and a half minutes. But at five on five in those 14 and a half minutes, he had four shots on net, including a goal, five block shots, eight individual course events, and was two on goals. Overall, he played just under 20 minutes. Bolden an mm-hmm. assist, six shots on net, which led the team, and yep. get this, seven block shots. I saw that. The Oilers, as a team, had 17 block shots. Ben mm-hmm. Bouchard had uh, seven of them. So I guess he's uh, kind of figuring out uh, defensive zone positioning and how to get into shooting lanes yes. <laughs> and help out his goalie. and. Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, he's playing on the PK. I think the Oilers only, they took two minors, but because of the the overlap, they were only shorthanded once. So he had about 50 seconds of that PK, and he did make one really, really solid uh, shot block on that uh, PK that uh, led to a clear. And if we're going to keep talking about his defense, late in the game with, with about a minute and a half left, I think it was his last shift, there was a, a scramble in front of, koskinen and he made kind of the you know the diving stick sweep and uh mm-hmm. eventually got the big clear there mm-hmm. so, um not only we all know about his offensive acumen and his passing and the bush bombs and we should probably talk about the uh two in a row but uh his uh defensive positioning and just general two-way play was was sensational and of course there was the uh the two boost bombs with the one where he walked the line and took what must have been close to 100-mile-an-hour shot right off Stolarz, Stolarz's noggin. Shockingly, he stayed in the game. Um, and then uh, boost decided that off the ensuing face-off, about five seconds after the play started, he'd take another howitzer <laughs> on, on net just to, just to make sure he was uh, uh, still all there. And, of course, uh, what we thought was going to be the winning goal Agolba, right. the second power play unit of all things, just a wonderful um, intentional shot pass by by Bouchard that that cast tipped in. Um, so just a, an overall am- amazing game. And, and I guess the question we'll be talking about between now and Thursday is: Is he going to start beside Nurse? Rob yeah. Brown, uh, Rob Brown certainly thinks so. Uh,
0: mentioned it uh, after the game on uh, on Chad. Well, it seems possible. I mean, Tyson Barry's had a really miserable start to the season. He's had three poor games in a row, to my eye, and, uh, and getting beat, getting burned. Uh, he got beat wide, just something fierce on the fourth Anaheim goal. The guy just went right around him. Um, so there's that. But uh, also, as you say, it's not just Tyson Barry getting demoted. It was Evan Bouchard getting promoted because he played so well. And he was... Uh, um, he had a goal and assist. Of course, the the, uh, the other one that put the orders ahead, was, it was kind of, well, not kind of, it was a fluke where he was behind the net and, he, uh, and the shot got kind of blocked and he just reached out and chipped it with one hand. And I think it may have hit actually three different Anaheim players on its short trip into the net. I think the defenseman nearest him may have got a piece of it as he chipped it. Certainly the second defenseman, for reasons known only to him, uh, try to make a play on the puck and he deflected it and that's what fooled Stolarz who had come off the post and the defenseman just deflected it right into his skate and so the third guy hit was the goalie Stolarz and into the net it went and up into the air went Stolarz's head because he was just so upset to give up such a crappy goal in such a crucial situation tie game in the third period and for all intents and purposes, it was the game winner, although Neon, of course, got the empty netter. And then Anaheim scored even later than that to, again, cut it down to a one-goal one goal, one goal uh, win. So, yeah, he, a very good showing for Bouchard. And as I say, his stats are impressive. And you know, those shot blocks, he's been doing a little bit of that. And I'm thinking it's not a fluke. Like, some guys have that knack. And it's not necessarily guys that are big, tough guys that, that load up on the hits. The guys that know... You know where the lanes are and just, you know, are, are quite happy to stay away. Oscar Kleppom used to block a shot, a lot of shots and going a ways back, Tom Gilbert used to block a lot of shots and no yep. one would ever confuse Tom Gilbert with a, uh, with a hard rock defenseman, but you don't have to be, you gotta be smart. <clears throat> and, uh, Bouchard is all of that. And to, uh, to riff off of the, uh, analytics, uh, um, pioneer guru, the baseballs, Bill James, who, uh, uh, said or at least was the first one to say to my reading that uh, speed is the one weapon in baseball that works on both offense and defense uh while in hockey smart works at both ends of the rink yeah and, and uh, uh, Evan Bouchard's got smart and it's just a matter of applying himself to when the other team's got the puck to reading the game as well as he reads it when his team's got it and I think he's coming around yeah, and, and I think you nailed it there.
1: You know, I think I don't think it's a coincidence that one of his best skills is getting the puck through from the offensive blue line. And now on the other side, he's starting to develop a knack for, you know, getting in those lanes. It's, 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 it's his big brain.
0: Right on. So, well, for my first good thing, I'm going to go with the uh, play of Edmonton Oilers' third line, uh, which included uh, two goals from first star Zach Kassian. Was announced in the building as first star, and you're you're wondering about uh, Bouchard. On the radio, it sounded like they might have given him a star, but in the building, it was Cassian. uh Sam Steele, Sherbert Park native, Sam Steele who scored a brace for Anaheim, and Leon Drysaddle also scored two and two assists. Measly third star for for Leon with that uh, four point effort, but I thought Edmonton's third line was a big difference maker tonight, and they. They got those goals and they got them on merit they played well in fact cassian's second goal was the rarest of the rare oiler's second unit connecting for a power play goal which i think they had five in the last two years if my memory is correct i, I think that's I think right they had, i think they had 99 power play goals in the last two years and leon uh had been on the ice for 94 of them <laughs> yeah and <laughs> so-
1: <laughs> David wasn't because he was injured a few times. Uh. Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, Leon, Leon's kind of my benchmark for the first power play unit. When he's out there, that's the first unit. And when he goes off, usually McDavid goes off too, right? So anyway, that third line, you know, who really grabbed my eye tonight? Warren Fogle. Yep. And I thought he was excellent. And uh, full disclosure, I attended this game. I was, uh, I was sitting high in the uh, end zone. Uh, behind the goal in which Edmonton scored all six of their goals. Thank you, Oilers. That was kind. And and they uh, Fogel, though he was he was all over the place and in a good way. Like he was he was checking hard. He was energetic, and he had you know he had a pretty pretty decent showing. Like he he played 14 minutes for the first time. Even though it was only one penalty kill, he was a part of the unit. They they threw out the third pair. Yeah. of Fogle with Devin Shore, who was playing his first game of the season. And up till oh, then, we'd had two, just two pairs of penalty-killing forwards. And tonight they used three in that one thing. And he looked perfectly good there. But they had, uh, you want to talk about uh, dominating on uh, on shots? When Fogle was on the ice, uh, the Oilers outshot the uh, uh, the Ducks 11-3. to three. 10, Ten to three for Derek Ryan, nine to three for Cassian, but you know, same difference. They were all out there for, and scoring chances when Fogel was on the ice: twelve for Edmonton, four for uh, for Anaheim, and six to one in the high danger chances, which are at the cult of Hockey. Our equivalent is Grade A chances, and uh, of course, Natural Stat Trick that provides these automated. Uh, metrics, they do it a little bit different. Many of the, of the chances overlap, but they don't all. Uh, but usually if a player dominates in, in scoring chances on the one, he's apt to do so in the other as well. Anyway, uh, Fogle caught my eye specifically of that third line, uh, but obviously Zach Cassian had a pretty good game with two goals and five hits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they helped turn the game in Edmonton's uh, uh, favour when... Uh, 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 when they were on the ice, and uh, uh, that was that was a huge part of the win.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the the second game now where that uh, that line scored a big uh, five on five goal. Uh, Derek Ryan had had a big goal mm-hmm. the other. Day. Yep. And this one, that goal was actually it was kind of a um, I don't think Ryan was on the ice. It was actually nude. It was kind of a a hybrid second yeah. to third line it goal. A, it was the line change. And that one plus, I'll talk about it in a little bit, uh, did very little to save Nuge's stat line tonight because we'll talk about the second line in a bit, but that third line and, you know, Warren Fogle, and and he is good. He's just so, he's big and he's strong and and he takes um, good angles to the puck. I don't know how great he is with the puck on a stick. I've seen him Mm -hmm. try a few plays, but he doesn't have the puck on a stick and and if we're going to talk about the line, uh, you know, if this is what we're going to get from Zach Cassian the last two or three games, bring it on. then bring <laughs> it on. Because he is, you still see it, he still makes at least one or two weak plays in the defensive zone, generally yeah, on the boards. Uh Generally, it seems like it's, a, it's an effort thing, but that's just going to happen. Um Last year, he was doing that. And he wasn't bringing anything in any other zone. He went something. I think I got this stat from you. It was like 12 games with like one shot attempt last year or something. Uh, along yeah, I, he had now yeah.
0: He's a, he's
1: he's engaged. He's making plays in the offensive zone, and and he's contributing. And that that entire line, um, you know, is, is you know that's a third line that's gonna create energy, keep energy, chip in the odd goal. Make the few odd defensive mistakes, but generally pretty good.
0: Mm-hmm. It's been years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say. Yeah, he co-led the Oilers with three shots on net tonight, and and last year as the same. Many times he had none, mm-hmm. and many times he had no, not even a shot attempt in the game. Like he, he was, and he, you know, I mean, tonight he scored as many goals tonight as he scored all season. Yeah. Last year, two goals.
1: So well, maybe welcome,
0: welcome back to the score sheet, Zach more please this is uh uh this is uh, um what he's capable of doing and honestly what fans expect from him and when he does contribute i can tell you he's one popular player in that building he was getting some big cheers in tonight's game and when they interviewed him post game and stuff it was uh, it was good to see because he's a guy clearly after last season uh really needed a boost and to his credit i mean he's boosted his own game Uh and the uh uh, the fans support him when he's so uh, when he's going good, and I think he was a player who was singled out quite often as a guy who missed the fans. Mm-hmm. And if what we've seen so far is any indication, he's happy they're back, and yeah. I'm pretty sure the fans are happy he's back because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he stood up in a big way and and uh, uh, chipped in these last two wins yeah. in particular. And and to his credit, we we kind of
1: maybe saw a bit of it in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Where he, you know, he had one really good game and one okay game, and for him to have a good game and an okay game last year, that was <laughs> that was a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. So, stay healthy, Zach, and if you bring that, uh, um, you're, you're a man that's loved and hated by many in the community. So it's a consistency thing. So hopefully we see good casts for a longer stretch of time. What do you go for a second good thing? Uh, if you can believe it um the Euler o- logosphere might not agree with me but i'm gonna say dave tippett the man mm-hmm. takes enough criticism for pretty much every decision that he makes even before it's uh gone good or gone bad that uh, um i thought tonight uh, he did a few things um, that that really helped uh, lead to the win. Um, I'll preface this by saying that I am one of those guys understanding how dynamic Leon and McDavid can be and generally are together, that I generally am against starting them together for games, mainly because it takes away the, the putting them together as a coaching strategy in-game. I find that you know, if they're playing on separate lines and things aren't going well, or just even if they are going okay, and it's after a penalty kill or a TV timeout or an icing, you, know, you put them together. They're they almost are extremely dynamic for a couple shifts. So um, when he doesn't have the option of putting them together, what does he do when you know thing when the team's flat or the team um, needs a change of momentum? And I wouldn't say that they were flat tonight. They certainly had their issues, uh, especially in the defensive zone. It was, it was a back and forth game. So it wasn't like he needed to, you know, create a, an energy boost or anything like that. But, you know, after that second period, I think the Oilers had 17 shots, but that was a terrible period. They, true. they were, giving the puck away, they were running around, they were going walkabout and and then puck chasing and leaving the high-danger area. Um, but there was two particular areas of the game that I thought were quite poor, and we're going to talk about one of them in a bit, but it was the second line was terrible, and Tyson Berry was terrible. And at the end of the second period, um, he made two changes. Um, well, we made one change at the end of the second where he moved He took Tyson Berry, moved him down to the third pair, and promoted um, uh, Evan Bouchard. And then for the third period, he took uh, Kyler Yamamoto off the the second line and switched him up with Brandon Perlini. Um, And there were just two little changes where he identified two areas where the team was really struggling and decided Mm -hmm. to make a change. And we saw, like, the third period was just generally a much better period even though there was still some chaos and that second line still wasn't great but they were a lot better than they were in the first two and i'll talk about those numbers uh uh in a little bit they were at least playable in, in the third period so i thought that uh, coaching change with uh the deployment um was quite good um the other thing that he did was he actually used the second power play um and he was rewarded with the scoring what that massive, I believe, was it the tying goal? Four four t- goal, yeah. Yeah, it was the four four goal, and it was, um, you know, various like Bouchard had made a couple of nice plays on on the PP even before the shot pass and Cassian in front, and even Tourist I may think made the zone entry, and uh, Cassian and Puliyarvi being kind of the the double <laughs> net front presence, which is a bit rare. But e- even before that PP two goal, they had a. Uh, power play shift. They started a power play, I believe, earlier yes. in the game, and they didn't oh. score,
0: but they actually
1: had 40 seconds of solid offensive zone possession.
0: And tourists took a penalty.
1: And then Tourist took the penalty,
0: but he made a couple decent plays. Yeah, the- no, it was a decent look and then that, was a, that was a good call in that the first unit had just played a ton of power play time because there was a bunch of penalties in a row that got called there, and then it was a four on four, and Leon and Connor probably played four of the first five minutes, and so... Tippett's uh, t- thinking was use the second unit for the first 30 or 40 seconds, and then get the boys back out there with a little bit of air in their lungs. And of course, that didn't happen because of the, the penalty. But but they uh, it was it was a good decision.
1: Right. And, and what normally probably might have happened last year is either he'd put the first unit out tired, or maybe he'd use the the timeout if he remembered that he that he had one to to rest them. And that was the other thing Tippett did today was proved to everybody that he does know that there is one timeout available, and he used it at an interesting time for kind of a defensive rest. Yeah. Uh, he wanted the right guys out there for that 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 late draw and they were rewarded mcdavid was fresh he made a great defensive play and yep. up to who, uh who sent leon in for the for the easy uh what we thought was uh insurance goal but turned out to be the okay. game winner so overall um you know even though i don't necessarily agree with the the uh you know load up nuclear option to start mm-hmm. games um and frankly that line, I think they were 2-2 goals tonight, but they're, they're, they're who they are, so they're going to have dynamic moments and dynamic shifts. But through three games, I don't think they're you know as dynamic as they can be. Um, and given how poor the second line was today and that we're going on the road, um, I'm not entirely sure that uh, he won't make a bigger change although it's kind of tough you know what is it 9 points for McDavid 8 points for Dry something along those lines and 6 for Jesse through 3 games much on the power play but but still it's uh, they're getting their they're getting their points
0: mm-hmm. well I like to see the boys together because they've got um uh, I got both of them in my keeper league <laughs> David and yeah.
1: the keeper league?
0: I got McDavid and Dry settled so in the keeper league that I won last year I just, just, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, uh, I, I enjoy seeing them together because so often you see scoring play where both guys get a point at the same time. So, uh, um, so from a selfish standpoint, I, I never mind it too much when they put them together. But from a team perspective, I, I'm of the I'm, I'm basically in your camp that I would prefer to start with them separate and keep my options open because the op- you never seem to see this option that. The orders are, you know, they're they're playing together. And the orders have built up a three or say four-one lead, like in Winnipeg, say, where okay, now we've got the lead. Now we'll split them up so we can defend the lead with two strong centers. And that that has never been part of the equation for any coach. Once they're together, they stay together. So for that reason, I prefer they start apart. And no, I'm sure we'll see plenty of both this year, as we have for the last five years. Uh, it's been. Forty to sixty percent of their time is together and the other sixty to forty percent is apart. Basically it's been the formula for three different coaches over five seasons. So it's a, Does it's a thing. Sixty
1: percent include power play or is that just
0: five No, on? that's just that's five on five time only. Yeah. So wow. a power play they're always together. So yeah. and over time they're most often together. So Good thing and my bad thing are both kind of related, so I'm just going to bring them both up at once and leave yep. your bad thing for next. But uh, they, they both have to do with goaltending. Um, my second good thing is Mikko Koskinen, who came in uh, at the middle TV timeout of the second period to, to finish up the game. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise, they never announced it in the building, but I was sitting behind that net and I noticed right away it was Miko that came out and I was looking, scanning the bench for Smith for the rest of the game, never saw him again. So I yeah. thought, no, he's hurt. And that's my bad thing, of course, is Mike Smith had a tough game yeah. and he got hurt. And I don't know when in the game he got hurt that, uh, you know, a couple of those goals that he was kind of sluggish on to me, covering the short side on the 3-3 goal. And then the guy just beat him clean across the front of the net, Sam Steele, on the 4-3 goal. And then he pulled himself out at the next TV timeout. And so somewhere in there, he tweaked something. The good news is in the postgame, Tippett says, we're calling it day to day, and we'll know more tomorrow. But he tweaked something and he didn't want to make it worse, so out of came. So who knows how long he did stay in the game making it worse, but he did pull himself out. And when he did, Nico Koskinen came in and he was terrific. I thought he was he was really good. And he faced 21 shots and only the 21st shot did he have a two-goal lead that he could afford to let it in, and he did. But yeah. <laughs> he stopped 20 in a row with the Oilers either down by one, tied, or up by one. Uh, and uh, a number of fine saves, terrific toe save with just over a minute on the clock with a six on five and, and uh, uh, a, a rebound shot, and the guy looked like he stuck it inside just inside the far post. It was labeled, and Koskinen stretched with his six foot seven worth of stretch, and uh, and uh, got a skate on it to kick that one out. Uh, a few strong saves. I just thought he was he was composed. He was tracking the puck well. He wasn't giving out greasy rebounds, and he looked uh, mostly solid, uh, with the one exception of the time he tried to handle the puck behind the net and uh, that was at the far end for me so i didn't get a great look at it and uh, but you did on tv so why don't you why don't you tell me what happened
1: oh man yeah so you uh, went to play the puck and i think it was blocked by the by the uh, the forechecking attacker and, and it popped out in front and and it would ricocheted and it was heading into the net and it bruce I don't think it could have been any closer to a goal without being a goal. It was about 98% past the line. And who else? (sighs) Connor McDavid made the the, the save of the night. And you think that, you know, like people do it. They get the puck off the goal line like it happens. But this was an elite level get the puck off the goal line because he had to go – over the puck quickly and then back so he didn't so he didn't uh you know push it in the net first right. like it you know you know mcdavid's fast hands i bet you you know you know there's he scores goals that only mcdavid can score that was a defensive play that probably only like five percent of the people in the league could make because he had to have such quick hands but it it really was that close um so
0: once you have a chance to see the replay uh you, you'll see what i'm talking about so, in addition to a goal and two assists uh, and 25 minutes of ice time, McDavid also had the had the um, uh, save of the game. Yeah. And with all that, we can say it was just kind of an average game for Connor. And Like, he wasn't really on top of his game. He wasn't the me. Like, he wasn't all over the place with the puck. And his moves weren't really working all that well. But the results are still there. Yeah. And Gretzky used to do that, you know. Uh, and... I mean, most of the time he was on top of his game, but sometimes he'd come out and he'd have a game where, you know, it wasn't really working for him. And you look at the statue after, and it'd be like this goal, two assists, three points. how he do that?
1: It's been like that all year, I think, oh. with McDavid. And, you know, he's still the best player on the ice pretty much every night, but he's not nearly at. Peak McDavid, he goes through stretches of four or five, six games where pretty much, you know, every shift or every second shift he's creating a dynamic scoring chance. And I'm not saying he's playing bad clearly. Like he's got what, nine points in three games, something like that. He's he's fantastic, but but he's not at mid season form i I believe he had one five five point before tonight so um it's scary that you know this type of production and and i'd say he's at 75 percent of uh uh you know i'm filling in for dave and dave loves to use percentages for everything (laughs) so so i'll go with he's at 75 percent of what he can bring um
0: i agree so in other words fantastic but not Other quite as otherworldly as we know, as we've seen. And, you know, and and with moments. I mean, that burst of speed tonight to catch up to that pass. Anyway, back to my good and bad things, the two goalies. Uh, Mike Smith, uh, no doubt there's second-guessers out there saying, damn it, Dave Tippett, you overworked Mike Smith. We warned you about that. You started him three games in a row, and now he's gone and got hurt. And I, I will say this in defense of, Dave Tippett, the way the goal, the way the schedule started to open the season, two days off after the first game, two days off after the second game. And it was all set up that, uh, I think they had it set up that Koskinen for sure was going to play in Arizona on Thursday and they come back with Smith on Friday, two more days off. And then they had a five day gap. So the other choice was after Smith was fantastic in the first two games, credit were due, uh, that, uh, Uh, This week, with the back-to-back, tonight's game was the odd game. Are you going to use your backup in two out of three or are you going to use your starter in two out of three? So he went to his starter and whatever happened, he uh, tweaked something and uh, he's out, hopefully not for long. If he is out for long, well, Stuart Skinner is uh, a lot closer to being an NHL goalie now than he was this time last year when he was uh, caddying for Koskinen while Smith was on IR to start the season. So... A little more confident in the in the goaltending, and I'm also more confident in Mikko Koskinen. I think he's way more on top of his game this year than he was to start out last year.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I, I've been posting that exact defensive tip at starting Smith. Um, you don't want me Well, you didn't want Miko starting two or three. You didn't want Smith. If he didn't play tonight um, and they were split in the back to so you would have like one start in 12 days or something. Oh,
0: yeah, along it was, so. there was a gap for
1: sure. Um, And Sportsnet did find what they think happened to Smith. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a, like, it didn't look like much, but Smith was kind of on his belly uh, like he used to be all the time. But um, it was a play coming across the crease, and it was Devin Shore kind of, there was like a bit of a scrum, and he kind of fell on him a little bit, and he Uh got up. Kind of gingerly. So, um, to tell you the truth, what well, I listened to, to Tippett after the game and heard the same thing that, that you did—that they day to day, but he's going to see the doctors tomorrow. I think we're going to see Smith and Skinner. Sorry, uh, Koskinen and Skinner, and uh, Thursday, Friday, and I watched. Uh, well, I watched all of the second Bakersfield game on on mm-hmm. Sunday. The first one was at the exact same time as the Oilers game. Right. The second. He was fantastic mm-hmm. in the shutout on on Sunday. So if he does come up with the camp he had and coming off that shutout, he'll at least be fully confident. Um, so we'll see. I've got no. I've I've said all along when people are saying, "Well, one Mike Smith injury away from disaster," I'm like, right. if it's three weeks or so, and you know Koskinen has to start a bunch of games, and we have a third stringer, he doesn't is, have
0: to start all the games, which was exactly. the thinking last. And that's what got him actually, in trouble. If it's out, if it for six months, then we got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Likely. Well, Skinner on Sunday, Bakersfield got a shot 34-15 and won one nothing. Oh, was, you know your goalie. You know who they goalies.
1: could. On their forwards, Krill Maximov. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why he wasn't playing? Well, obviously, there's more to that story. But
0: yeah, yeah, I wonder if we're going to find out that full story. But whatever, he's gone, and uh, it's unfortunate. So uh Ira, your a uh, bad thing. Uh, I uh, I alluded to oh, it. Oh look uh, at those notes. Holy. You're, uh, a, yeah, lawyer, You're
1: not. a lawyer, You're aren't you? Like, well, <laughs> well. I don't get paid by the word though. So <laughs> um my bad thing Why and for nice. for a for, a, for a victory and a team that's three and to start the year with three division wins, there's lots of uh potential bad things to choose from. But I'm gonna go with uh, the second line as a whole, and, and well, I guess the initial second line because it got changed in the third period. So the, the Ryan Nugent, Hopkins, uh, Zach Hyman, uh, Kyler Yamamoto line, um, through two periods, um, they only had six minutes and 52 seconds, I believe, at five and five, um, or is that through one period? But they were Corsi the events as a line, one for, ten against, um, individually and zero, uh, um, zero goals for two goals against, and these guys finished. Hyman finished with zero goals for four goals against 23 Corsi, 620, mm. 64 20 against. Nuge was one goal for three against. Remember, that goal was scored with the third line, right? Uh, 23 uh, Corsi, Yamamoto. Zero goals for, three goals against, 13.3% Corsi. they just got caved all night long. Yeah, and yeah. it's not just that they got caved and then got scored on. Um, they're making bad mistakes in all three zones. Yeah, after one of their very few offensive zone shifts, Yamamoto made just a poor play, pushing the puck out front of the net to nobody when everybody was down low, and it led to a three-on-two the other way and the Ducks' third goal. Um, even on the power play, Nugent Hopkins, there was one play in that power play in the third period, the puck came across to him on the left side where where he normally is. I swear to God, he had a wide open net, oh, and he decided to delay and put it back through the middle. And it would have been a gorgeous goal if it would have connected, but the puck just went into the corner. So just overall as a line, they became so unplayable um, that the tippet had to switch it up, put Yamamoto, who was frankly no worse than Hyman or nudes in my opinion at at evens but but he's kind of the you know the the scapegoat of the team this year so far um and put up perlini and That line of Perlini, Nuge, and Hyman, they weren't great in the third period, but um, they didn't get scored against. And I think it was a 4-5 course event, so they they didn't get caved. So um, whatever that coaching move by Tippett at least made the line playable so that they (laughs) were able to play out the line. So um, I don't think that line is – like Nuge had the even strength point tonight, but it was really – on a line change when he was still out there with the third line. In three games, I don't think that line has a five-on-five goal yet. Um, so, although all three players I like, something isn't working with the three of them. Um, Tip recognized that tonight, obviously. Um, who knows what he starts with on Thursday. If there's a practice tomorrow, um, we'll probably get some sort of... Uh, um, some sort of guidance on that. I don't think he's going to change the first line. Um, So maybe you see, I don't know if you see Perlini back there, but I don't think he'll change that third line after tonight. So I don't think you'll see Warren or Cassidy. Fogle or Cassian get elevated. So I have a feeling we'll, we'll go right back to where we started. But um, that line has had its moments through three games, but they were awful tonight and, and became almost unplayable. Like Zach Hyman, who's been the darling of uh, uh, Oilers, uh, Oil, City, Oil, Oil Country, uh <laughs> 4 goals, 23% Corsi. That's a tough
0: night. Yeah, there's a mistake in there because um... – he was on for an order goal uh, with the goalie out, which they don't count as five oh, on five. But he was also on for an Anaheim goal with the goalie out, which shouldn't also count as five on five. Oh, so he was only 0-3 at fi- a real five on five. Thank you. And man. he and he did get a point on the empty netter, and he was involved uh, in the net front on a power play goal. Yep. And Nuge got two assists, including a beautiful pass to uh, Cassian. That was, a, that was that was a gorgeous. Yep. That was a, you know, a first assist for news that was so uh, hard to come by last year. Well, that was a fully earned one. That that pass made that goal. Uh, Yamamoto, on the other hand, uh, didn't have anything really that redeemed his night. Uh, defensively, he struggled mightily. And that 3-3 goal that you talked about, not only did he you know make the play deep in the other territory, but he was the forward back on the... Th- 3 on 2 and he kind of hustled to get close to the play and then around Stop. the blue line he stopped skating it was two two footed skating gliding watching the play and and what he had to do was bust his ass all the way back to, mm-hmm. to to cut off that passing lane and instead the pass came across to the open man and guess what he scored and I don't think that in particular will sit well with Dave Tippett yeah. so we'll that, see
1: And it's interesting, too, because one of the things I always talk about is even when Yamamoto's not producing, he is looking like he's turning into an elite two-way defensive player, at least in the top six. Mm -hmm. Because whether, you know, he spent quite a bit of time with McDavid last year, I think Dave likes to call it the 81% line or whatever it was. And of course, we know how much he's played with dry, and they don't get scored against, no matter who he's with. And and part of it is he's just as tenacious on the back check and, and finishing the back check, and positionally as he is in the offensive zone. But as you point out, um, he wasn't tonight. And. And, and, and thanks for pointing out that, uh, you know, Hyman and Nuge did have their, their positive points, so I don't want to rag on them too much. Just the line as a trio um, no. hasn't done it through three games except for a few moments and and was 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 quite poor tonight, in my yep. opinion.
0: Yep, no argument on the poor tonight part, and especially when the three threesome was together five on five, they got caved.
1: The, 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 the right some...
0: across the board. Shot attempts, shots, scoring chances, high danger chances, goals. They got plobbered. The, so. the sum of
1: their parts was was less than the parts <laughs> themselves individually.
0: <laughs> so, uh, carrying on, let's let's move on to numbers, and uh, uh, you go first this time. Oh. Uh,
1: lots of numbers to to come up with again, but uh, I'm going to go with the number eight, and that represents the number of periods that it took for two burning questions uh, in oil country to be answered. Uh, The first one is how long until Yamamoto's moved off the second line and how long until Evan Bouchard has moved up the lineup um, into, if not the top four tonight, the the top pairing. Uh, I think lots thought that Bouch might be there by Christmas. Uh, It took eight periods. Um, and you know, even before tonight, there was the the odd time uh, in defensive situations, mainly um, where uh, Tip or, or Playfair uh, moved uh, Bouchard up, but but he was up there at the end of the second period, um, eight periods into the season for the entire rest of the game, um, and was just as dynamic and and. Good in both ends of the ice in the third period, as he was uh, down below. And uh, Yamamoto, uh, as we just talked about, uh, uh, moved off for Perlini, um, you know, right after eight periods for the third period tonight. So um, I have a feeling we'll see Yamamoto back there uh, on Thursday, unless they're going to put Tyler Benson in the lineup and make uh, a bigger shuffle. Somehow, I just don't see them breaking up the third line or the first line, and um, I'm not sure if willing to move Perlini up there full time yet, but uh, um, but we'll see. So those two questions have at least been uh, answered in the short term. So my number is eight,
0: eight periods. Okay, eight is also the number of points each for McDavid and Drysaddle through mm-hmm. three games with both guys. And I think most fans would say they're not on top of their games. Yeah. Eight, eight points each in three games. That's a that's a pretty decent platform to build off of for uh, another fantastic season for the NHL's top two scorers in each of the last two seasons. So we mm-hmm. see how that goes. Okay, my number, I'm going to also segue to Leon Drysaddle, his line of numbers tonight. I mean, we'll start with his boxcars, two goals, two assists, four points plus two, 25 minutes and 49 seconds of ice time. Uh, three shots, uh, six shot attempts to uh, lead all forwards, uh, three giveaways, and that's a, that's a negative. He, he had one giveaway. on. He made tried to make a hard backhand pass to break out of the zone that got picked off at the blue line after the Oilers had spent too much time in their own end, and I bet you Dave Tippett will be all over him for that. It was one of those, it's, you know, all or nothing, and this one was nothing pretty quick. 20 face-off wins to nine losses. Twenty out of twenty-nine for sixty-nine percent. The Oilers took fifty-eight face-offs tonight. Leon took half of them,
1: and they were—they got caved, if I can recall. I think Derek Ryan was above, but other than that, they were awful. Leon uh, propped them up quite a bit.
0: They were sixteen and seventeen without, and twenty and nine with Leon on the ice. So that—that's a uh, for another night at the office kind of kind of night for Leon. I mean. Th- that's some pretty staggering volume, including that ice time. McDavid similar, 25 minutes 42 seconds. And just one bo- bonus number that we can discuss briefly on our parting shot here: 14,082 tonight's attendance at Rogers Place. And I was noticing the sort of the wide swaths of uh, empty seats in four or five sections of the uh, upper bowl where, you know, sometimes you see empties here and there and maybe it's people that didn't show up right or, or the last few tickets that didn't get sold. But when you see, like, rows yeah. of empty seats, those generally mean unsold. And, and I was kind of worried or at least interested to see what would happen tonight. This kind of a linchpin game. I mean, you have the season opener against Vancouver and what was there, 16,000 for that, and then Calgary Saturday Night and hawk and Canada 17,000. Uh, I'm not sure if that was official sellout. Uh I can't remember what the number is because it's been zero for so damn long. Well, attendance 17 and but, a half give or take yeah. 7,450.
1: Yeah. But tonight
0: but tonight they're saying 14,000 and I'm I'm willing to uh uh say that I don't think there was that many people in the building. That would be the number of sold tickets. There there are people that have tickets that aren't quite ready to be in the barn yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and anyway, it was uh so kind of, you know, Tuesday night in October against Anaheim is one of those tests that's very different from Saturday night against Calgary yeah, and course. Canada. Yes. And I knew that it would be a little bit lighter tonight, and that that was the number. So It's a little
1: bit demoralizing. I think I, I read or heard something about 5,000 in Buffalo. Um, I yeah, heard 10,000
0: season tickets did not renew in Buffalo. 10,000. Yeah.
1: But on, on a plus note, they, uh, they beat Vancouver 5-2. So, <laughs> so uh, I believe Buffalo tied with the Oilers for the uh, NHL lead uh, three, 3-0. three So I think Buffalo. there's four, four teams left that are that are 3-0, that are 3 So
0: Unreal. Well, but the that, Oilers are one of them. And for all of the doom and gloom in oil country about each performance, that this is yeah. wrong and that's wrong and this isn't working and this, this – coach and the GM don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. and on and on it goes the team's 3-0 you know yeah. I mean I, I didn't love tonight's game as a fan but really. I sure appreciated the comeback in the third period and, and and we'll take the two points uh as uh Dave Tippett said in the post game you know they're not all masterpieces and as I want to, to say some games you paint a Rembrandt and other games you paint the bathroom <laughs> and this was one where you, you know, you call it the ladder, but you take the two points and you put them in the bank, and you move on to Thursday night in Arizona and taking take, take the show on the road. Oilers are playing in the United States for the first time in 19, March two thousand nineteen, early early March yep. two thousand and, uh, and twenty.
1: Yeah, and you got so. to attend the first uh, two anthem game for the Oilers since. Uh, yes. Time as well, so so that was uh I, when I heard it, I'm like oh two anthems let's start but I'm like oh wait two anthems that's actually a good thing.
0: <laughs> well, it means that the league is starting to open wide again, and that's I mean the fact there's fans in the building at all, yep. and generally well-behaved fans in the games I'm at, you know people wearing their masks and doing mm-hmm. their thing in the places I've been sitting, which is two very different parts of the building in in two games so far, so and you know you're. If you're consuming food and drink, and of course some people are consuming especially drink for much of the game, but uh, otherwise people seem to be uh, uh, abiding by the rules and and good. I mean, that's that's, that's what the safety experts deem is the best way that this is going to work for us.
1: For sure. And let's just hope that as the the season goes on, there's good reason for people to feel more comfortable. If that is the reason that they're staying away, there's a a multitude of reasons. And, you know, with a good team and hopefully getting past this fourth wave and hopefully it's the last wave. (laughs) And, uh, you know, back, you know, come the new year, it's uh, going to the stretch drive for a playoff run with a full building every night.
0: All right. Well, let's let's leave it there, Ivor. With uh, my thanks again to you for uh, for filling in uh, for uh, David tonight and uh, giving us your uh, viewpoint from down there in Calgary. Is it? Yep. Yep. Down in Calgary, enemy wow. territory. Boiler fan living in Calgary. That's uh, you. Got to be, tough. be um, tough. There's there's quite a few of us here for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you again uh, for. Uh, for uh, your contributions tonight. And I will say thanks to you, the audience, for listening. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.